Before we get to this episode, just to say thanks to everyone who's bought my new book, Champion Thinking, How to Find Success Without Losing Yourself. Published by Bloomsbury, the response has been terrific. It's an Amazon bestseller. It's been top 20 in the airport charts consistently, and the reviews have been terrific right across the board. And if you like this episode that you're about to hear on Flow, you'll be sure to enjoy Champion Thinking. Head to my website, simonmundy.com or Amazon, Waterstone, Smiths, places like that to get your copy. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is Don't Tell Me The Score, the podcast that uses sport to explore life's bigger questions. My name is Simon Mundy, and each week I sit down with an expert from the biggest sporting names in the world to Buddhist monks, neuroscientists, psychologists, and philosophers. We discuss a theme that tells us something insightful and important about life and how best to live it, from the importance of self-acceptance to facing addiction and developing resilience, right through to getting your circadian rhythms in sync and how to sleep better. Sport is a metaphor for life, and in this podcast, I aim to prove that right. I always like hearing from you, so the best way to get in touch is via my website, simonmundy.com, or I'm at Simon Mundy on social media. In this episode, I'm talking to the former Special Forces soldier, Ollie Ollerton, about courage. Ollie Ollerton, how are you? I'm good, Simon. Thanks for having me on the show. Absolute pleasure. What's it like having a book come out during lockdown? Were you cursing your luck in the first instance? Because it's clearly something you can't prepare for. Um, the contents of the book and the process that I asked people to follow me on was done in a period of isolation when I self-isolated myself. I had two months, locked myself away. I didn't want any distractions from the outside world. And I concentrated on myself. And I really put some discipline and structure into every day to change the person that I was. So people are in this situation at the moment. And you're never going to get this opportunity again. Highly unlikely that you'll get this opportunity again. And people say, what opportunity? There is a massive opportunity to really look within at the moment. You can't control the outside world, but what you can control is what you do on a day-to-day -day basis and how you come out of this. 
Absolutely. It's definitely a chance to to reflect, to consider various aspects of your life, whether that's, you know, your working relationships, your health, and to even just get some some good habits in place. It does seem to me that there are big opportunities within the dysfunction. Absolutely. And, and that's the way, you know, that's that's the way you should try and get your mind geared anyway. Every situation creates an opportunity. You know, so it's not about dwelling in the discontent of a situation. It's about looking to the left, looking to the right and seeing what opportunities are there. You know, what I've got to work with. And at the moment, you've got yourself to work with. And there's no better time to really put some time into yourself, not getting sucked in all day long on Instagram or whatever it is that, you know, sort of draws you into it. Um, but really start to focus on a disciplined structure. So this is this is a perfect opportunity at the moment. And we're going to dissect sort of how to do that as well as various lessons from your own life as well. But I just want to, so, so Battle Ready, the name, the title, obviously it can have connotations for a guy like you who's been in the SAS, in the SBS, you know, about being ready to go into battle. But what struck me is it's about balance as well, isn't it? So just explain what that means and how that relates to Joe Public. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a very good uh, a good point. Straight away, you know, you're going to get people saying, "Oh, it's you know, obviously a military style," and it couldn't be really further from the truth. It's you know, my military career was something I did. It's not you know, my my life isn't in the rearview mirror about. Oh, remember when I did such and such? It's been I've had lots of experiences, and there's been a, a lot of low points mixed with the high points, and um, really, it's about you know, it's 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 about creating um a state of mind more than anything not a physical um sort of body it's about a state of mind creating a battle ready state of mind because i was thinking about this this morning right i'm i'm fighting a battle every day and regardless of where you come from and what have you done in life everyone is facing a battle every day now my battle personally is the fact of of keeping my discipline routine every day so getting up early in the morning, five o'clock, I, I go out, go for a run. Um, I meditate in the morning as well. And before eight o'clock, I'm, I'm actually sat at my desk ready to hit the emails and do stuff like that. So, But for me, that means that I take myself to the day. You know, I don't allow the day to come to me and then, you know, I'm subjected to whatever that day wants to deliver. Um, it's about creating a state of mind that's battle ready so that if something in life is cruel, people are going to die. People are going to um, walk all over you. People are going to cheat on you. Stuff happens that's quite, um, you know, monumental. And if unless you're battle ready, it's going to hit you from the side and knock you so far off track, you can't get back on track. So it's about being able to sustain a blow from the side and carry on your forward momentum. And the biggest battle we'll always have is with ourselves, isn't it? hundred percent. You know, my biggest battle was the battle with myself, you know, the mental battle. And I fell from grace. That's why I look back, you know, at the end of the day, I learned a lot from the, the special forces. And I'm so grateful I was I was part of that. But the thing is, that was really preparing me for the biggest battle that was ahead. It's kind of a mad way to think about it, because obviously the sort of stuff you get up to in the SAS and the SBS is super, super intense. So the idea of your lowest point being when you came out, and I, and I know you've spoken about it around 2007, you lost your identity to some degree, and, and you actually compared it to, for example, retiring athletes. But it's, it is counterintuitive to think that the normality side of things could be harder than you know the most intense war zones and situations. Yeah, and I've spent a lot of time thinking about that, because when I look back, the most controlled and most 
the safest part of my life, believe it or not, was in the in the special forces. And that's that people will scratch their heads with that one. But the thing is, I was I felt first of all, I felt invincible because I was so highly trained. I was part of the most military, you know, elite, one of the most elite military units in the world. I had people to the left, right, above and below that was watching that, that had my back. I had all the support, all the weapons, everything. You know, I felt invincible. And that's how a special forces soldier should feel invincible. That's what, that's what makes them dominating war. But the thing is, you know, when I look at either side of that, I look at the start of my lead into the military, absolute mayhem. And then the other side, popping out the other side, absolute mayhem. So the actual safest and most um, sort of grounded I have felt was when I was in the military. It's obviously reassuring to people who will be struggling and everyone struggles to various degrees at different points. But to know that someone like you, I mean, you got seriously, seriously low, didn't you, around sort of 2007. But no matter how low you go, you are able to pull yourself up by the bootstraps to get back. And it was really looking back and I went, hold on a second. I went from, you know, I hate to call it that, but it, it sounds good, hero to zero in a short space of time. And I thought, how can you have been at the top of your game and now you're here? And it was that question that, that, that really started me changing or, or, or that was a sort of a turning point for me. And it was actually the thought that I had achieved great things by passing special forces selection and the other things I'd done that really gave me a benchmark to work to. You mentioned the special forces selection process there. And I just want to have a quick word on that because, you know, there's a key lesson there really in the power of the mind. So what was it? 350 trained, only five passed. Just tell me how sort of physically tough it gets and the role of the mind in getting you through it. Yeah, I mean, they're around about the general kind of stats. You know, you around about 350 started my course. Um, it's a six-month process and about five passed at the end that's actually five then go to the sbs five go to the sas so there was five of us that went off to the sbs but it's the most physically grueling thing i'll ever choose to do initially when i started that at the brecon beacons it was you know i was looking around me i was thinking jesus you have got off the wrong bus you know i was i was just like i was just this little skinny runt and um you know i was looking around me and all these guys that you know that they had all the gear they had the tattoos they had the muscles they looked like an action man i had so much low confidence at that point you know and then i started seeing these super soldiers fall by the wayside and that gave me the confidence and boosted my energy you know and, and motivation to keep on going before i knew it I was at the back end of that, you know, six months later, I passed the course and was one of five. But, you know, the, the mind, you know, initially when, they, when you start selection, it's, it's about the physical, but your mind will give in way before your body does way before your body does. And it's about being able to try uh, and find that extra 40%, whatever it is that's lingering. It's about digging deep. And that's, you, you can see the structure of the special forces selection process, what they're trying to do, because when you go to a war zone, there's going to be no one there. You know, there's no time limit on a war. You don't go into a, a, an attack and say, this one's going to last 40 minutes, you know, so um, let's have a bit of a warm up and then we'll get into it. <laughs> 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 um, you know, it's, 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 you, you don't get to choose when it finishes. So at the end of the day, they need people that aren't always looking for the finish line. They need people to stand up to a challenge and not stand down when they see the end coming, you know, so that you can see where the different levels, but the thing is that is all mental. They rinse you mentally and physically. And when you're at the point of your lowest and you think you haven't got anything left, they say to you, now give me what you've got. 
and it better be good. You know, and it's that point. If you can't find that extra capacity or bandwidth to be able to carry on, you're not meant for the special forces. And that happens on a daily basis. So basically, you do the first part in the Brecon Beacons, running up and down hills with massive packs on your back. You know, it's you know you, you don't get much sleep. Um, you're just thrashed every day. Then you go off to the jungles, a pretty similar thing in so much you get thrashed, but then you've got all, all loads of different weapon skills and training and blah, blah, blah. Another six weeks in the jungle. By the time you come out of the jungle, you pretty know that everyone that's passed that phase has got a good chance of making it to the end. There's probably, you've lost about 70 of the 350 by that stage wow i think that's really interesting what you said about getting off the bus and describing yourself as a skinny run and thinking right you know these guys are are better than me because that shows that you don't need the confidence in the first place to go ahead and achieve so i think a lot of people wait to want to feel confident to feel ready before they leap into something but that experience you had shows that no, it, it's about sticking through the tough times, not necessarily feeling ready in the first place. If you wait until you're ready, if you wait till you feel right, you'll be waiting for the rest of your life. Nothing was ever great unless at some point you doubted your ability to achieve it. I love that quote. Great quote. Now, the thing is, the way we're wired, people only want to take something on if they've got a good chance of being able to succeed. So this all comes down to courage. Let's look at the word courage. Courage is the ability to throw yourself into anything without any guarantee of a successful outcome. We're not wired to do that. We're wired to look for the thing that we can say, I know I can complete that, so I'll, I'll throw myself at it. But when it comes to the question, I might look stupid or I might not be able to do that you steer away from it. That is just the way we're wired. That's not just a personal thing. Everyone is wired that way. Courage is a really interesting word, interesting concept. So obviously courage can be about rampaging into a battle situation, but also it might be leaving a relationship. It might be staying in a relationship. It might be reconsidering what you're doing with a job. It might be admitting that you've made a mistake and saying, sorry, it can come in so many forms. Yeah, absolutely. Courage is everything. And it's really that point, you know, I started to question myself when I threw myself into the boot camp in 2015 when I needed to make changes. It was about I had to really find out and understand how we worked as humans, you know, the psychological um, mechanics of how we worked as humans. And I keep on going back to this. And it's because, you know, I look at, I look at our evolution and our evolution wants to steer away from, you know, when it comes to protection of the species, it wants to steer us away from anything stressful. It wants to steer us away from anything that could possibly cause us harm. And when it comes to anything that involves change, which means something you haven't done yesterday or the day before, the alarm bells go up and it tries to talk you out of doing it. And that's why it takes courage in that moment to say no and switch off the program and follow your heart. And that's really when you are able to identify that and you push straight into the short term discomfort, you come out on the other side and go, wow, I've just grown massively there. The way we're wired is to seek the short term comfort. But that leads through long term pain and that short term comfort that can be drink, that could be um, eating. It can be anything in your life. It can be avoiding opportunities that are standing right in front of you. It can be talking to that person where, you know, could lead to you stating something, having that conversation that could lead to a massive opportunity, promotion at work or anything. So it's yeah. all about courage. And I know that, you know, any kind of success, any kind of breakthrough in life 
has to go through a period of discomfort. Believe me, I'm not the strictest 100% disciplinarian that I do everything by the book and I'm the, I'm the most boring person to be around, which people might actually think. But, you know, there's sometimes I slip. Some days I'll sleep. Sometimes I'll eat the wrong food. You know, some days I won't do the training. Some days I won't follow my discipline program. But that's all right. That's fine. But it's about, you know, it's about keeping constant and always chasing that discomfort. I, I tell you what, I went for a run the other day. And there's, there's a few different runs from around my house. Now, there's one that I do, which has got, a, at the end, there's a hill that is just absolutely horrible. It's horrible. And I did it the other day. And then I thought, right, I'm going to go for another run today. And straight away, my mind is saying, right, go, go the opposite way. Because the opposite way, there is no hill. So my mind's going, yeah, you know what? You've, you, did, you did this the other day. You know, you, you've done well. Just take the easier route today. And then my mind's enforcing that sort of thought. Yeah, yeah, go the easy, go the easy route. So anyway, I go out of the house, got the dog with me. And I get to the end of the drive and I can either go left the easy way or go right up, you know, which ends at the hill. At the last moment, I turn right and I faced that obstacle and went absolutely against the opposite of what my mind was telling me to do because I knew that there was so much growth in going up the hill at the end. And when I got to the hill, I, every step I was going in my head, this is where the growth is. This is where the growth is. And before I knew it, I was at the top and it wasn't as bad as I thought. But, you know, I benefited so much more from tackling the obstacle. Uh, I like that as a metaphor as well, because had you gone left and when you'd come back, I imagine, you know, in the back of your mind, you would have known that you hadn't extended yourself as much as you could have done. So you just you wouldn't have felt as satisfied as you did after going right. 100%. When you actually push through those obstacles and those, those you know, that when your mind, the program is trying to take you uh, the easier route, when you actually combat that and get over it and prove it wrong and push it to the side, the feeling afterwards is, is, is incredible. Everyone knows that, you know, when they've actually done something where the mind's telling them not to do it, but they know at the end of it, you know, the goal beyond that is something they're aiming for. Once they've tackled that initial obstacle the feeling euphoria afterwards is amazing it's like yeah. you know it's like going for a run anyway in general or any kind of exercise the hardest part is the initial part yeah Take, just start yeah it's, just start. the first k for me is horrible i'm like going why are you doing this but after i get past the first k it starts i start getting into my flow and i've got through the hard part and i start you know i have so many amazing ideas when i go for runs so many yeah. amazing ideas so it's, it's yeah. therapy for me couple of things first of all is you know you talked about not being a mega disciplinarian and actually being better each day and seeking to grow part of that is being honest with yourself but also compassionate with yourself because it's so easy to beat yourself up isn't it and that makes you less likely to carry on yeah 100% and then the other bit was about starting just starting and actually you talk about something and I've actually um I've actually employed exactly this is the five second rule so you talk about this this is such a good little hack yeah, basically, there's, it's actually um, taken from there's a woman called Mel Robbins. She's the most sought after uh, motivational speaker in the US. When you come to making a decision, you have got to make a decision within five seconds. Otherwise, your brain starts to enforce or, or support the reason why you shouldn't do it and talk you out of it. So when it comes to that decision about getting up in the morning, whether it comes to that decision about going and speaking to someone because you've got something to say, whether that's at a meeting or what, whatever it is, once you see the barrier, count down from five, five, four, three, two, one, and take the action. 
And I talk about this a lot in everything I do. It's, 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 that's the moment of break point. And that is also the moment I talk about this called breathe, recalibrate, and then deliver. And that is that moment, basically, when you get into a pressured situation. And again, you know, this is a lot of this comes from uh, being in the special forces, but really this is, this is relative to, to life. Um, when you get into any pressured situation, your cortisol starts to increase because your breathing becomes erratic. You don't even know it's going on, but that's happening. And then what happens then? The brain starts to look at a way, a way out, the quickest way out possible. And a lot of times, if you allow to take that action, it will push you into, it will take you out of that set, you, make you take a shortcut and you'll miss the opportunity or, or it, it will push you into further danger. So basically, when you're faced with these issues, if you breathe, straight away the cortisol reduces okay and you can do this within five seconds just breathe take a deep breath cortisol decreases the confusion becomes clarity and then you take the action which is based on something you want to do and that gives you courage breathing is so important you know having a control pattern of breathing i know they actually teach this in the special forces now in some some countries where they teach box breathing and it's about, you know, creating a um, systematic pattern of breathing. Just to talk you through that, you know, that's you breathe in for four seconds, hold for four seconds, breathe out for four seconds, hold for four seconds, and keep repeating. And you can go into pretty much any situation or be caught in a situation where things are spiraling out of control. And if you employ that um, breathing technique, um, make things a lot clearer, it will allow you to make a decision based on clarity and not confusion. Just to come back then to getting habits in place and everything like that. And without discipline, you're stuck, aren't you? I mean, it is the bedrock of everything else. Yeah, absolutely. And especially in these times at the moment, you know, it's like you need to have that structure. Because if you, you know, I mean, for me, leaving the military, that framework had disappeared. I didn't have, you know, I didn't, I lost all that sort of, um, that framework of my day, day-to-day activities. And it's so important to have that in play. And like, you know, like I say, some days I let it slip. But I, I find the day I let that slip, the day I don't get up on my own terms, you know, I find that the day walks all over me in some respects. And it's the fact that I end up having to deal with the day without, ha- without having given myself time before the day started. And really, you know, that's, I've, I've put in my diary, unless something big comes in, up until 10 o'clock, and I know this is benefit of what I do for a living, but up until 10 o'clock or at least half past nine, that time from five o'clock to half past nine is my time. Now, a lot of people will say, I haven't got time for that. But the thing is, the most important work you can do is on yourself because that will reflect in every aspect of your life and your work, your relationships, everything. So that actually investing in yourself before you actually go and work for someone else is the most important thing you do. And that requires discipline. And when that, when that is missing from my day, I feel like the day walks all over me. Just give me a, a quick snapshot, quick overview of exactly what your morning routine looks like. All right. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you exactly what I did this morning. Um, so I don't have to set the alarm, but I wake up at five o'clock um, and straight away then five, four, three, two, one, get out of bed. Um, I use I, I have a different term for it before I learned the five four three two one and that's called GTFU. Work that one out. <laughs> <laughs> um, so basically, I get up 
straight away and and you know i'm not i'm not like i don't people think because i'm an ex-special forces so, soldier i'm lay there in bed with my sports kit on counting the seconds away waiting to for the alarm to go out for five o'clock so i can dive out the window and roll you know commando roll and straight into a 50k run that is not the case i'm feeling as negative as everyone else saying get back into bed you know you you know, you're doing the wrong thing. Why are you bothering with this? All, all those kind of messages are going on, but I, I choose to disengage from that emotion. So anyway, five o'clock, I come downstairs. I then go into my meditation room, I call it, or it's like a, a media suite I've managed to build since being in this uh, lockdown. Um, and I sit there and I spend 30, about 30 minutes on meditation. Now, meditation for me, this is this is like my golden 30 minutes of the day because I call it, it's your focused attention at an intention. So for me, it's about clearing my mind of all the mind chatter and everything else that's going on. And it's a, it's managing to focus on one to two or three things at most that I want to achieve that day. And it's it's, it's really my focus. Is, and, and the skill is, is trying to just clear the mind. Once you learn that skill of being able to clear the mind from everything else that's going on, you can adapt that to your daily life. And that is amazing to be able to do that. Once I've done that, I then this morning, let's talk about this morning. I then went out and I did the 7K run. Okay. Got back and, and then I went for a swim. Um, and then I've come in and I've gone straight to my desk. And before I know it, that's even before everyone. Look, I then sit on my desk and I go through my emails and I, I, I take action on some things that need to be done without my phone going off, without WhatsApp going off, without, you know, all these distractions. And that, for me, though, that time of my day sets me up massively for the day. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks sleep number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Yeah, morning routines. I mean, I talk about that a lot. Uh, amazingly valuable. Right, Ollie, you talk so much about the importance of purpose and finding your purpose. And, you know, you said that you didn't have that throughout your army career and at various other points in your life, but then you found it. So to what degree do you think everyone actually has a purpose? And then you talk as well about four questions to ask to actually 
to sort of unearth it. So yeah, can you just talk a bit about that? Yeah, basically, I mean, regardless of people, whether they think they've got a purpose, whether they think they've got a goal or not, you will have a purpose. We're driven by purpose. We're driven by uh, we. Uh, the subconscious is a goal striving and uh, a, and a goal getting mechanism. So basically, whatever you think, whatever your dominant thoughts think about is where you're driven. Okay, regardless of you whether you like it or not. So basically. Um, and that for me, you know, I found my purpose. I didn't know what purpose was all about. I've spent most of my life, the majority of my uh, life on this planet, not knowing what purpose even meant, to be quite honest. Now, for me, I found it, you know, in the special forces, I couldn't find it. And I'm quite happy to say that, you know, it's, it was it, that was my dream. And the thing is, the way I look at this now, right, we are driven to chase an image. So whether that's the, the job, the car, the marriage, the house, whatever it is, we're, we're driven, we're image focused, aren't we? We want to create the perfect picture and we, 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 we let, you know, it almost seems like the byproduct becomes the feeling. It wasn't until I learned that I should be chasing the feeling and not the image that things started to change in my life and I started to understand my purpose. I found that when I was rescuing kids from slavery and prostitution in Thailand. And that I, I understood the power of helping other people. I realized how much that gave me back. It made me feel fulfilled. It made me feel complete. And that for me, from that point on, was like the, the best gift I've, I'd ever been given. I went into that with, with no idea what it was going to give me. The one thing I took away from that is the fact of helping other people is so, so powerful. And I adapted that into my... And then that was for me. I, I fell across my purpose. You know, I stumbled across my purpose and then I realized what made me happy. People say to themselves, you know what, you know, what, what, how do I understand what my purpose is? Now, if you're young and you've only, you know, you haven't had many experiences, the bottom line is you need to step into short term discomfort and start experiencing things. Find out what makes you tick and what makes you happy. If you're later on in life and you've had quite a few experiences, it's quite easy. You look back over everything you've done and make a list of all the things that make you happy. You know, make a list of all the things that haven't made you happy and make sure you avoid them at all costs. But once you've got a list of things that have made you happy, monumental pieces of or, or timelines or milestones in your life, that gives you a good idea of where you need to be and what your purpose is. But I really think that anything that's helping other people is everybody's um, subliminal purpose anyway. Yeah. I mean, we're a social species, aren't we? And from the people I've spoken to on, on this show... Finding your purpose or purpose rarely doesn't it involve, in fact, I can't think of any time where it doesn't involve helping others. But it's also, it's important though, you've got to get yourself right as well. Like both aspects are key. You can't just help others and neglect yourself or vice versa. You've got to get both sides. 100%. And you've got to make sure that you're in a good state. Um, you have a good foundation before you start helping other people. People don't, don't see that. People, because we're always, you know, um, we feel like we must give, we must give. But the thing is, if you haven't got the f foundation of strength to be able to offer that support, the support is not valid. You know, it, it's sort of half-hearted. You know, you really need to, you need to be selfish. And it sounds, sounds wrong, but you need to make sure that you invest in yourself before anything else. And once you do, that gives you the foundation to work from. You can then be supported to, to everyone else, your partner, your wife, your your whatever it is but until you come from a good place a strong foundation then you're not giving the best you can give 
Mm-hmm. Right. I just want to come back to that voice that was saying to you, you know, go left, don't go right, don't hit, hit the hill, essentially. That, that inner voice that, that we all all have. And, you know, you talk about ego. And I think ego is a really interesting subject. And it has it actually has different meanings, I think, to different people. There's this idea that some people have a big ego and others don't. But I imagine, I'm sure, you describe yourself as a spiritual person. Yeah. It's a, a term that, that I think is easy to scoff at. I think I would have scoffed at it probably 10 years ago. I don't know. What about you? Oh, 100%, yeah. I, w- I would have been embarrassed for anyone to say, you know, for, I would never admit that. Before we get onto the ego, what does spiritual mean to you? Spiritual means, I mean, for me, it means I'm um, heavily invested in um, the belief that there is more to life than what's in the program. Spirituality to me just means that I am not void of ego, but I'm aware of my ego. I think that that's an important point. Let's talk about the ego because people think, oh, I'm not, I, ha- I have an ego. I still have an ego. You know, I can't say, oh, I've got no ego whatsoever because I have. But the thing is, I am, I recognize the emotion. Okay. It's the same with everything. I recognize when the ego is coming into play. Okay. It's the same with every emotion. Unless you, uh, and I think that's the ability, you know, that, that comes back to the special forces soldiers. They have, they have the ability to be able to recognize their emotions and control them. It doesn't mean they're void of them. You know, they've got empathy, they've got um, love, they've got passion, they've got all those things, but they're able to control. They've got anger, they've got, you know, all those elements. They're able to recognize them within themselves and they're able to control them. So really for me, um, you know, spiritual means being awake to that, being aware of that. Um, And it's very individual to me. I mean, it is a very individual thing. And you quote uh, Eckhart Tolle, who uh, I'm a big fan of in Battle Ready. So he he talks about it in terms of understanding that that voice is not who we are. The thing I get most from meditation isn't necessarily quietening my mind. It's just noticing that that chatter is always going on. And I don't really have any say on whether or not it stops or it's just a permanent sort of soundtrack to my life. But just to get a little bit of a bit of distance between myself and that self that chattering self-critical um or even self-aggrandizing voice in our head so to me that's what spiritual is just knowing sensing that 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 voice in our head that that is always nattering away is not who we are yeah 100 percent. and and once you recognize that I, I tell you what sometimes i laugh at myself because i'm i you know, I, I can be stood, and I do, you know, throughout the day, I'm stood on my own, and I'll tell myself to shut up, <laughs> and, and probably even worse language than that, but usually worse language than that, uh, and that is basically, I'm listening to my ego, yeah. I'm, I can hear my ego, the mind chatter talking, and I think that is so not me, it's, you know, I think, I think when you become spiritual, you, you recognize what, who you really are. And you stop, yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head, really. You know, you stop listening to that inner voice that's chatting away, which is the ego. And that's why, you know, that one of the first books I read that sent me on this path was Eckhart Tolle's The New Earth. Mm-hmm. And it really talks about, I mean, and it says in there as well, it says, look, you know, this book is not for everyone. But when, you know, if you're, if the student's ready, it will make sense. And it made, I was like reading that. It was like, it was like the, it was like the Bible for me. You know, yeah. That really talks about that 
that recognition of that voice, you know, because I thought I was, I can remember saying to my mum, you know, around that period, I was like, mum, I've got like, I've got two people in my head. I, can't, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> she, like, she looked at me like I was, you know, you are mad. Um, but, you know, that was the point where I was starting to, di- I was starting to separate myself away from this voice in my head, which I knew wasn't aligned with what I believed in. So really important. What they say, what is it? Talking to yourself is the first sign of madness. But I mean, we all talk to ourselves. There's always this this internal chatter going on. I mean, the amount of times I've been stood in the shower having an argument with someone who's not there. And another key point is you'll never get rid of that voice. It, it won't go. It's just recognizing it for what it is. That seems to be the key element, particularly of what of Tolle's work of New Earth and you know Paranow, all that stuff. Yeah, I think... I- hundred percent but the thing is you can i mean when i look back when i reflect back before i started to sort of switching on to this spirituality and and start to invest in myself and 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 do my meditations and stuff like that it was a lot more intense and it was confusing Hmm. so but now it's not saying it's stopped but i know how to control it now i know when it happens i'm like sometimes it's valid you know when the ego comes in i might say i'll take a little bit of that but it's not all needed you know the rest of you can sit back there you know, um, but it's, it's, it's really recognizing the point when it's happening and, and whether you choose to align with it. You know, I call this, you know, it's, it's about recognizing your emotions. It's about being an emotional observer and not being a victim of your emotions. So, you know, once you start to learn to, you know, you, you imagine like a, a, a fast flowing stream of emotions. You know, you can choose whether to be in that stream of all these different emotions going on and being raced down through the rapids, through the rocks and everything else, or whether you want to stand on the side and choose which emotions to align with. Yeah, it's such a difference between being that which is aware of your emotions and your thoughts, so your thoughts and feelings, uh, and being bound up in them and being ruled by them. And just a quick Eckhart Tolle quote, which I really like, uh, what a liberation to realize that the voice in my head is not who I am. Who am I then? the one who sees that. I mean, and that sums up spirituality to me, doesn't it? I mean, it, I, haven't, I haven't spoken about it much uh, on, on the podcast, but it, it's easy to scoff at, but it's very simple. It, that's, it sums it up right there. It's, it's not religion. It doesn't have loads of rules. It doesn't have loads of beliefs. It's just, it's just that, that right there, seeing that you are not the voice in your head, to me anyway. No, 100%. And, and I used to give myself a hard time. Why am I thinking that? You know, I said, I'm a, you know, you think you're singled out. You think you, you're crazy. You think you're a bad person because you think something. It's not the case. It's not the thoughts. It's the actions. You, t- you know, it's the things you act upon taken from the thoughts. You know, sometimes I'll think things that, you know, whether that's criticizing some people or, or, or whatever it is, that doesn't mean, you know, don't give yourself a hard time for that. Yeah. A, a powerful tool that I like to use sometimes is uh, it's called a diffusion technique. So just if, say, a thought pops in your head like, oh, that person's an idiot, mm. it just to go, oh, no, you sit and go, my mind is having the thought that that person's an idiot. And that just gives that little bit of separation. I find it a really, really powerful tool to, to create that gap between you and your thinking. Yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And also, have you, I mean, have you read, I think his brilliant book is The Chimp Paradox. Oh, cool. I've, I've, had, I've had Steve on the podcast. Steve, oh, Steve, Steve's a, yeah, yeah, well worth checking out. Uh, the Chimp Paradox, there's different parts of your brain, the chimp, the human, all that stuff. Yeah, and that, that's like, you know, saying, oh, that's the chimp talking, isn't it? You know, when you yeah. come up like that. So it's, 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 all, it's at the end of the day, it's a tool for separating your thoughts and, uh, and yourself. So, okay. yeah. 
it's, it's great to have that kind of uh, mechanism. Right. So you talk about doing and the importance of, of what we choose to do. And obviously that aligns very much with, you know, having goals and we are goal seeking machines. And, you know, I've talked about goals a lot, setting goals, the importance of goals. And obviously you had that great quote about, you know, a goal isn't great if you don't doubt you can achieve it. And I think that's a, a really uh, fabulous quote to, 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 to keep in mind when you're thinking about goals. But you've talked as well about, you know, some of the reasons goals can go awry and some of the reasons, you know, people do not follow through on them. So I thought this was really interesting. Can you just talk a bit about that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, goals, and I, I said this before, you know, people have been to, you know, seminars at work or whatever, and people, you know, the, the, the trainers up there going, right, who here has got goals? And, you know, you probably get two or three people stick their hand up. One person does a half hand up and then scratches the head. And, um, you know, thing is those people that have the chosen goals they're the three people a minimum amount of people have chosen goals now regardless and this goes back to what i've said before regardless of whether you have a chosen goal or not you have a goal okay and that is what your dominant thoughts focus on so really this is how important it is to create a mindset of things that you want because if you think of things that you don't like you're going to end up with them so Really, for me, um, you know, having having goals, um, you really need to think about, again, this comes down to purpose, what makes you happy. Um, you know, when you start to choose a goal, a, a goal can be something that a, a work orientated goal. It could be a personal thing that you want to change. It could be a fitness goal. But whatever it is, and one of the main reasons why things fail is the fact that the goal is not yours. You know, the goal is you're doing it because someone else will think you're great because you've done it. You know, to, for any, to achieve any goal, you've got to have some kind of emotional attachment to it, the outcome of it. And unless you have that, you're not going to achieve it. So there's a number of things, and I list them out. Um, this, I think I've got about 10 or 11 reasons why goals fail. Um, another one is the, the fact that you're, you're, you're goal greedy. So you've got too many goals. So basically, you're all over the place. And, you know, you've, oh, I want to do this, I want to do that. You should have one main goal that really is your overarching goal. Now you can have a low, what, and what, and, and the reason I've said that quote, well, behind that quote, you know, nothing was ever great unless at some point you, um, unless at some point you doubted your ability to achieve it is the fact that you should, it should really scare you. You should think I can't achieve that. It's like me doing special forces selection. I didn't think I could get to the end, but I knew I could get to the first base and that was turning up. Once I got to the first base, my next one was completing the first day. I completed the first day. And then that gave me, that gave me the confidence to do the second day, and I completed that day. And sometimes, as long as you're able to break that down and have measurable goals, that will give you the confidence to keep on going. And even if you haven't got um, all the way 100% of your goal, the growth is in that journey. And if you've got 25% further on, it's 25% more than sitting there and thinking you can't achieve it. You come up with another lovely quote as well. I think of someone like Johnny Wilkinson or Goldie Sayers, who talks a lot about this in terms of reaching your goal and it not being necessarily the, the promised land that you expected it would be. And the quote that I like of yours is, you know, once you get the goal, the journey overwhelms it. So actually, again, it's this paradox of the, the getting there that's the key bit. Yeah, the thing is, it kind of does a role reversal. But um, so basically you have the goal and that's the one thing that drives you towards that goal. 
But the thing is, you know, once you get there, I mean, I, I take this, I mean, I look at everything I do, you know, I, I, I analyze everything I do, but I went to climb Mont Blanc last year. And my goal was obviously to get to the top with the team. We were raising money for charity and it was, it was hard. It was really hard. You know, we were taking steps like micro steps. And it's like, how can I get anywhere? I've never moved so slow. And, um, you know, every time I looked up at the goal, I became deflated. Every time I looked up at the goal, I thought, oh, God, that is, oh, this is, why am I doing this? All this negativity started to flow. So what I did is I, I pulled it right back, one meter squared, and I looked down at my feet, and I kept just moving forward, keeping momentum. And then every time I wanted to have just a little stop, a bit of a breath, I didn't look up the hill. I turned around and looked how far I'd come. And that, when I took in the view and saw how far I'd come up that mountain, that felt absolutely amazing. And that is pretty much an analogy for every, every um, you know, your goals in life. Once I got to the top, it was like, whoa. But the thing is, I saw the, I saw the growth in the, in, in the journey. And that was the most powerful part. You know, as, as far as, again, human evolution, we're not supposed to be satisfied when we get to the goal. You're supposed to create another one. Because otherwise, you're going to sit on, the laurel, on your laurels for the rest of your life. You know, I see people doing it nowadays. They're still talking about, you know, what they did years and years ago. My life is about what's ahead of me. Not, you know, the, the stepping stones behind me of growth and milestones of growth. But the thing is, my life is very much what I'm doing in the future. With the, with the framework and the credibility of what I've done in the past. Plan through the goal, I think, is is, is yeah. a quote that I've heard, something like that. Anyway, um, Ollie, it's been lovely chat, and I think you know, you, you're know you full of wisdom. And I just want to finish with kind of another little hack or another way of looking at things that I thought was a um, nice little thing that you said, which is around the importance of accepting compliments. So I spoke to Tracy Edwards, who was the first uh, female skipper in – oh, do you know Tracy? Yeah, yeah, very well. Yeah. Uh, Tracy, amazing woman, sailed round, nearly won the Whitbread Round the World race with an all-female crew back in 1989 when everyone was particularly in the race. Yeah, big time. And, um, you know, she, she told me a nice little story about how she was out and she, she hated getting compliments. And some woman came up and said what an inspiration she'd been. And she sort of fobbed it off in that classic British way. And then when this person had, had gone, her daughter turned to her and said, mum, that was really rude. And, and she sort of learned then the importance of um, being able to accept compliments. But you talk about this. So, yeah, just explain this. I thought this is a, a really nice way of thinking about things. Yeah, I mean, this, this is a really important subject because, you know, as soon as anyone, it's like, it's like a compliment, a gift, anything. As soon as someone gives you a compliment or a gift, you feel straight away the natural urge that you have to give something back to them straight away. You know, and, and that is, um, you've got to learn to be able to receive, you know, without having to feel that there has to be something given back. And once you do, you know, it's, it's all about, you know, being able to give and being able to receive. It's the same thing. You know, you need to be able to do both. And a, a, a really important, not important, a really, um, you actually, you know, it's, it's, like, it's like, for instance, if you, um, you know, if you open a door for someone, you know, so many people open a door and then if they don't get the, oh, thank you back, they start, you start kicking, oh, I can't believe they never even said thank you. And that is totally the wrong attitude to go for. And that leads to anger, leads to all sorts of stuff. But the thing is, you've already given by opening the door. Your work is done. It's like giving money to, to a better. You know, I, I came back at one point. I had no money uh, when I was first starting on my path back in the UK. I had no money. But I went out into, I was down in Cornwall at the time. 
And the minimum minimum change I had, you know, I was giving to people that are homeless on the street. It was obviously how they had a drinking problem. It was obviously they were going to probably spend it on drugs. And that could have been the reason for me not to actually give. Okay. But the thing is, the moment that money left my hand, the work was done. Okay. And it's the same as a compliment. People giving you compliments. I tried something with my partner. You try and say to your, when you're, you say to your partner or next time your partner says to you, I love you, say thanks. <laughs> just see what happens. But the thing is, just say that. It's, it's, it's like, seems so weird to do. And then your partner will look at you like, what? You're not going to say I love you back. You know, you should be giving. You should learn to give without having to be able to do it because there's a reward. Brilliant point. Lovely point. Right. Just to sum up, Ollie, again, just to recap, courage, you know, what it means and, and how someone listening can think about it as well. Courage is the ability to throw yourself into anything without a guarantee of a successful outcome. Everything in life, everything you want to achieve, every milestone of growth, every success comes from taking a step into discomfort where you have no guarantee that it's going to work. But the thing is, you're prepared to throw yourself in. That means taking the short-term discomfort, knowing that the long-term gain is beyond the hardship. So it's all about courage. Ollie Ollerton, you're as hard as nails, but you're a lovely man as well. It's been <laughs> a pleasure talking to you. It really has. Really enjoyed it. Thanks very much for listening to this episode of Don't Turn With The Score. I really hope you enjoyed our conversation. And I would, of course, be delighted to hear your thoughts, ideas and questions. Do get in touch via my website, simonmundy.com. I do really appreciate you listening. And if you could leave a kind rating and review, I would be sincerely grateful. All that remains is for me to say I hope you'll join me again next time. Until then, thank you and goodbye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.